Our cases here at Rocky Mountain Red-Handed involve physical, mental, and emotional trauma. Please listen with caution and care. Reach out to 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, if you or someone you love needs help. No one is alone. The Rocky Mountains hold many mysteries. Millions of people enjoy the natural beauty, but some come across the hidden dangers. This is Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. I'm Melanie, here with my dear friend Becky. The stories we share are remembered by some, but forgotten by many. Let's dive in to Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. We're so glad everyone is here with us. We are. We're so happy to have everyone here. We have an exciting announcement. We just got in the coolest stickers. We mentioned it last podcast, but you're going to want to get one of these. We want to give them all away. Yes, we do. So you can stick them anywhere, your water jug, your laptop, anywhere that you want. We just want you to represent us to all of your friends, and we'd love to get those all out to you guys. Yeah, so go out to our socials. You can see them. we want to give you one. Yes. So uh, you can follow us on Facebook and our Instagram is Rocky Mountain Red Handed. I actually gave the wrong Twitter last week. So our Twitter is at RMRH podcast. So I apologize that I messed that I'm, one up. I'm actually, if you've noticed, you're always the one to give all of the socials. Becky cause... can't keep them straight. So if you notice, I am always the one to give them. And yes. clearly I can't keep them straight either. So sorry about that, guys. So all you have to do is, you know, send us an email, DMS, whatever. Give us your name and address and we'll get a sticker over to you. Yep. And our email is RockyMountainRedHanded at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So this is just us sending you a sticker saying thank you. We're not trying to gather any info. We're not going to share anything like that. We just want to get these stickers out to all of our amazing listeners. Yeah, we love them. It says, keep your hands clean. Yes. Um, they're so cool. You really want one, I promise. So so if you're new, welcome. We've got a ton of new listeners lately. Yes, we do. We want to let you know that we are going to be having another fun giveaway. That's in addition to our stickers. Yep. If you missed our first giveaway at our launch, don't worry. We've got another one coming up. First, everyone needs to get a sticker. That's yes. number one. Mm-hmm. We will be announcing a new giveaway for RMRH t-shirts in the near future. So just make sure you're subscribed on your platform of choice. Follow us on social media. You don't want to miss out and we'll post about it everywhere we can. For sure. Yeah. So, well, today we've got a very special episode for y'all today. Yeah. We have got a case in honor of Armed Forces Day. Yeah. The biggest heartfelt thank you to all of our Armed Forces members. Yeah. My little brother is actually a Marine, which I'm so proud of him. Super cool. I was able to go down uh, for his graduation down in San Diego. So shout out to my little brother. Super proud of you. And we're so great. Yes. Yes. So grateful for everyone's service. Yeah. There are over 1.3 million active duty military out there. So thank you so much to each and every one of you. Yeah. So in honor of Armed Forces Day, we want to tell a story about an active serviceman. Yes. Each soldier sacrifices so much. They sacrifice time with their family, the time away from home. And we wanted to focus on one of these and tell his story. Yeah. So this is the story of U.S. Air Force Staff Sergeant Nathan Payette. He served in the Iraq War and was serving with the 757th Aircraft Maintenance Squadron at the time of his passing. So thank you, Staff Sergeant Payette. We're grateful for your sacrifices you made in life. May you rest in peace. 
Our story takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. Most people just think of the strip in Las Vegas, the lights, the casinos, the shows, drinks, 24-7 partying, you know, Mel? Yes, there is a lot more, though, to Las Vegas than just the strip. Yeah, we live really close to Las Vegas. We go down quite often. There is a lot more to Las Vegas than just the casinos. Definitely. About 700,000 people call Vegas home. And many locals rarely go to the casino and the shining lights of the Strip. Today's story is a story of a family who made Las Vegas their home in the late 2000s, settling in Mountain's Edge. So Mountain's Edge is nestled in the southwest corner of the Las Vegas Valley. It's a bright little suburb of Las Vegas with closely planted little homes all in a row, and they're painted in desert colors. Yeah, Mountain's Edge has a lot of schools, elementary up to high school, so you know what that means, right? Yeah, lots of families. Mm-hmm, a lot of young families. It's not uncommon to see abandoned toys or bikes in the front of their homes, the homes in the yard and stuff. It looks like our neighborhood probably. Yeah, for sure. And driveways covered in bright drawings. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. sidewalk chalk. Yeah, mine's covered in sidewalk chalk right now. Yeah. Yes, Mountain's Edge is a safe little nest for young families living in Las Vegas. One of these families was the Payette family. The Payette family would never be the same after the evening of December 1st, 2010. <laughs> At 11.31 p.m., Michelle Payette called 911. The emergency service operator helped Michelle get life-saving CPR until the paramedics arrived at the Payette home. All of this happened with the couple's three children standing there watching everything. The children were between the ages of two and nine, Melanie. That's heartbreaking. So young. Yeah, they witnessed a horrific scene. The blood, their mom panicking, the CPR, and their dad gasping for breath. The children watched the paramedics whisk their father away, their proud hero daddy soldier, away to UMC Trauma Center at 11.47. So they were really fast moving. Yeah. The emergency services operators arrived on the scene, surveyed the situation, and had him in the ambulance in less than 15 minutes since the shots rang out. Nathan Payette was a U.S. Air Force Staff Sergeant. He grew up in the village of Yona on the island of Guam. Yona has a population of about 6,000, so, you know, very small, but islanders even say it feels even smaller. Chamaros, the indigenous locals, are a close-knit group of people who take care of each other and they raise their children as one. That's so cool. I know, yeah. Nathan and Michelle Chaco met each other in primary school and were high school sweethearts in Yona. They married and Nathan joined the Air Force in 2002. The family had called Las Vegas home since November of 2007 when Nathan was stationed at Nellis Air Force Base outside of Las Vegas. He was an F-15 supply section technician assigned to the 757th 
Aircraft Maintenance Squadron at Nellis. In Chamorro culture, family is everything. Nathan was extremely close to his family. Eric Payette, who is Nathan's older brother, told about how Nathan was so welcoming and warm to Eric's fiance, Veronica. He helped her feel comfortable and shared details of their culture with her at the family events, let her know what's going on. It was it was a really special relationship they had. Yeah, that's really cool because joining a new family is hard enough, but then having to adjust to all of these new cultural mm-hmm. things would be would be hard. Yeah, it's very intimidating. So to have someone go out of their way to help you is just so considerate and nice. Yeah. When Eric and Veronica got married, Nathan served as best man. Veronica and Michelle grew up grew very close and the family got together as much as possible to spend time each with each other. Yeah, Nathan, who was living far from his blood relatives, still brought people together. Nathan started a Chamorro group in Las Vegas, which is so cool. Every Sunday, Guam natives met at a park, they ate traditional foods, played games, and strengthened each other as a community. Yeah, for many, this Chamorro group was their home away from home. The evening of Nathan's shooting, Michelle reported that their marriage was a good one, though they were very busy. The couple didn't see each other very much during the weekdays, but they cherished their weekends together. Michelle told investigators that neither of them had any extramarital affairs. The family had struggled financially, yes, but they were both working hard to put themselves in a better financial situation. Nathan worked nights while Michelle worked days and went to school in the evenings. Yeah, this isn't surprising to me that a young Vegas family was having a hard time financially. Uh, Las Vegas was hit so hard during the 2008 recession. Yeah, I remember like reading about how hard they were hit down there. It was really um, hit the hardest along with like Phoenix, San Jose, and maybe Miami. Early on the morning of December 2nd, after the shooting, Michelle and her family received some devastating news. Trauma surgeons had done all they possibly could do for the young soldier. Nathan Payette passed away just over an hour after his shooting. He was pronounced dead at 12.49 a.m. on December 2, 2010 at UMC Trauma Center. He was just 28 years old. Breaks my heart. 28 years old. Mm. A young father and a husband. Yeah. He survived the Iraq War and was killed in his own driveway. It's crazy. So Michelle called Nathan's family and had to share the terrible news. His parents were over 6,000 miles away in Guam. Nathan's father answered the dreaded phone call. He called his wife, Carmelita, who was just getting off work. She was on her way home when she received the news of Nathan's fate. When she received the news of Nathan's death, she said, My heart didn't break. It was shattered. Back in Las Vegas at about 1.30 a.m., Two Las Vegas Metro PD detectives arrived at the scene of Nathan's murder. Detective Todd Williams and Detective Laura Anderson would be the lead detectives for Nathan's murder. The little house in Mountain's Edge was encircled with cop cars and flashing lights. The detectives found the garage door open and the lights were on. Displayed in front of them, a huge amount of blood was left on the garage floor and smeared on the walls leading into the home. The trail of blood led detectives inside the house and to the epicenter of the scene. A cut military uniform was half visible, semi-submerged in a large pool of blood. Mm, that's just so heartbreaking. I can't even think about it. Yeah. So sad. Our military personnel are like, they're just so loved. It's just hard to even imagine something like that. Yeah, the picture came together with the hard work of the crime scene techs and law enforcement on scene. The first of five shots struck Nathan Payette in the neck as he put on his shoes in the garage. As gunfire continued, he stumbled back inside the home, 
blood soaking his camouflage uniform and collapsed in front of his family. Detective Williams was struck that somebody killed a United States serviceman in his own home. Who would do such a thing? The first responders guessed maybe it had been an attempted carjacking. But no, Nathan's wallet, keys, phone, and car were all still at the scene of his murder. There was nothing taken. The detectives looked at Nathan's phone. He seemed to be a very dedicated family man. And you know, you can tell a lot from looking inside someone's phone. It's true. Mm -hmm. The only pictures in the phone were of his wife kids, soccer games, and family gatherings. Nothing seemed to be the least bit edgy or suspicious about Nathan Payette. The more time the detectives spent at the scene, the more they felt that this was really deliberate. It was planned out. Mm -hmm. This wasn't just a random shooting. Nathan Payette seemed to be targeted. Michelle, who was Nathan's wife, met with detectives for the first time at her home that dark night. Detective Anderson asked Michelle to wait in her car, and then shortly after, she joined Michelle for a talk. Michelle shared her story. A normal day at the Payette household went like this. Michelle usually gets off work at 3.30 p.m. and heads over to spend her evening at school. Nathan always worked the graveyard shift, so he was home to pick up the kids from school and care for them in the evenings. So they really were working hard together to get their family into a better situation. Yeah, Nathan was almost like a Mr. Mom, taking care of that afternoon role of getting the kids home, homework, that type of thing, while Michelle was, you know, trying to get her education. Michelle usually gets home at 10.30 p.m., and Nathan always leaves for Nellis Air Force Base at 10.45 p.m. Yeah, like ships passing through the night, That was their normal weekday evenings. But the night of December 1st was different. Michelle had gone to school, but she wasn't feeling well, so she actually left to come home early, about 5.30 p.m. Both Nathan and Michelle had fallen asleep on the couch sometime between 7 and 8 p.m. Can I say that their children must be much better behaved than mine because my kids would never allow me to take a nap. My kids are already in bed by 7 o'clock. <laughs> I know, so you're, that... you're really, really good at that. You're strict at that. I love it. I just need my, my quiet time. Quiet so, time. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Michelle woke up at 11 p.m. and realized that they had overslept. Nathan would be late to work. She awoke Nathan and told him he was going to be late for his shift. Nathan went upstairs, took a shower, and dressed in his military fatigues. He called a coworker about 11.25 p.m. and told him that he would be late coming into work that night. Nathan walked downstairs, said goodbye to his family for the evening, and he would see them in the morning. He walked into the garage in his socks to put on his big, steel-toed boots for work at about 11.30 p.m. Now, remember, he's already supposed to be at work by this time. Yeah. Michelle heard the garage door open and laid back down on the couch with her daughter. Michelle recounted that she had heard two large bangs. She said she froze and didn't move. She didn't go outside to check on her husband or to find out what you know, was causing that noise. Michelle recalled that the door to the garage suddenly opened and Nathan stumbled inside the house. She got up off the couch and ran to him. She said she looked outside and she saw a black car. The car started, the lights automatically turn on, you know, as most cars do, Mel. Mm-hmm. And then the lights were turned off like manually. Must have Someone have, must have manually switched them off. And then the car sped down the street. Michelle said Nathan dropped into her arms and he was bleeding out of his mouth. It was 1131 and Michelle called 911. Yeah, we heard that 911 call and it's just so heartbreaking to hear her. She's obviously just in distress, and she was trying to give him chest compressions. Yeah, she's trying to do the chest compressions. You can just tell she's overwhelmed, and I can't imagine as a mother 
knowing my kids are watching the whole thing, which is heartbreaking. Now, Detective Anderson watched Michelle closely as she retold the most horrific evening of her life. Detective Anderson noticed that Michelle had no tears, no snot coming from her nose, nothing. So, Mel, can you remind us that my hero, Detective Kelly Kent, from the Lori Suarez episode says about snot do you remember yes i do Mm -hmm. which is so awesome so dry cry is when someone is trying to force themselves to cry or like faking emotion Mm -hmm. if someone is earnestly crying their nose runs so if someone is forcing or faking it then their nose is dry hence why they call it dry cry Mm -hmm. Um, detective ken said she always looks for a runny nose when someone's crying if you haven't listened to our lies for Lori double episode do so now it's a great one and I love Detective Kent. She's she's amazing. Yeah, so she seemed to be faking her actions. Just two hours ago, her husband, the love of her life, and the father to her children had been gunned down at their home and bled out in her arms. And Michelle has just gone through this, and she is not crying. Detective Anderson and Detective Williams spent the entire night at the scene of Nathan's murder and did all they could to gather and preserve evidence. They canvassed the entire street. They interviewed neighbors, friends, and family. They asked Michelle if she'd be willing to take a polygraph test, but she refused. Oh, what do you think, Becky, on that? What do you think about her not taking the polygraph? We've talked about this. They're, you know, they're not admissible in court. We know that, but I would be scared to death to take a polygraph. I would not take one, but it does make you look guilty. But so it does make you look guilty. It, it makes does, you look suspicious yes, at the very yes, least. Yes, but yes. I would not take one. I agree. If only the detectives would know what a tale this case would be. We are only at the beginning. Yeah. So let's stop there and take a second to support our sponsors. Rocky Mountain Red Handed is brought to you by Balance of Nature. I love my balance of nature. I take it every morning and it makes me feel so good. I do not like to eat vegetables, so I take my balance of nature to be able to get in the nutrients that I need. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code REDHANDED for 35% off your first order. We call it three and three. I take my three capsules of veggies, three capsules of fruits, and it gives me all I need. So that's balance of nature, promo code REDHANDED. A huge thank you to our sponsors. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, so within hours of the initial phone call, Nathan's parents were on their way, crossing the massive Pacific to reach their son. 18 hours in an airplane, Nathan's mother cried the entire flight. It just sounds terrible. An 18-hour flight alone is miserable, sounds miserable, miserable. but this poor woman... Um, The flight attendant gave her an extra blanket. She covered her head for privacy to block out the steel box that she was trapped inside until she could reach her son. Nathan's parents said all that they did was prayed and prayed the entire flight. They prayed for Nathan's soul. They prayed for his children who had just witnessed a living nightmare. They prayed for strength and comfort for their entire family. These poor parents, I just can't imagine in this situation being stuck on an 18-hour flight. There's nothing they could do. Nothing. I, yeah, I know. It's terrible. Yeah. Eric, who is Nathan's older brother, and Veronica, his wife, received the news at their home in San Diego. How could this have happened? They just barely saw Nathan and Michelle a few days ago. As they tried to understand the situation and prepare for the memorial service, they recalled the last visit that they had with Nathan. It was the first Thanksgiving Nathan was having at home since his deployment. The family had planned to all meet at Eric and Veronica's house in San Diego. Just before Thanksgiving, Nathan called his older brother and explained that they would not be able to make the drive down in San Diego. 
He said that he just did not have the money for his family to travel. Wanting to be together, Eric and Veronica announced that the holiday plans had changed. The family would all meet in Las Vegas at Nathan and Michelle's home. Everyone would pitch in and the family would enjoy a Thanksgiving meal all together. Besides, that's really what the holiday is all about, being together as a family. What a great family. That's so cool. That's really cool. So Eric and Veronica saw firsthand how the family was doing over their Thanksgiving stay. There was no food in the cupboards, even with three children at home. The kitchen was empty when they arrived. Nathan and Michelle felt strained. It seemed as if they were like almost avoiding each other at all costs. One would enter the room and the other one would casually get up and leave. Tensions were high as the family seemed to try to skirt around the restless couple. And that is so awkward. Mm-hmm. Of course, I mean, I wasn't there, but who knows what you know caused this tension, but the holidays are hard and couples can fight almost more during big family gatherings. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. if you have like a lot of guests staying with you. There's stress about finances, mm-hmm. it sounds like. So they already had a lot going on. Yeah. Um, just a few days later, Nathan was killed. Las Vegas Metro investigated every avenue they could think of. Loan sharks, gambling debts, perhaps a secret life. Yeah, but none of these ideas checked out. Yeah, it seemed like Nathan was pretty squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. Nathan was a soldier that worked to support his family. End of story. There were no secrets hidden in his closet. When the Pyatts landed in Las Vegas at McCarran International Airport, now Harry Reid, Michelle was waiting for them. She embraced them, and the family was ready to mourn together over the tremendous loss of such an amazing young man. As Michelle spent time with Nathan's parents, they couldn't help but feel like something wasn't quite right. Yeah, Michelle was grieving, definitely, but like loudly and some may say almost hysterical like she was so distraught that the family believed she was on the verge of fainting numerous times and there were no tears not one tear was shed or witnessed by the family again sorry the dry clear the dry cry yeah. there mel yeah you can like act brokenhearted and crushed but a lot of people can't make themselves cry and especially can't make themselves have a runny nose yeah mm-hmm. something just was not right they could feel it meanwhile detective mitchell and anderson were hard at work they were exploring every lead they could for nathan payette Michelle had mentioned a black car had sped off at the crime scene. Just after shots rang out at the Payette's home and Nathan had staggered inside, Michelle said she saw a black car speed off. Police questioned her if she knew anyone with a black car resembling the car that she had seen that evening. Michelle said she did have a co-worker named Michael Rudolph Rodriguez who drove a black car. And wouldn't you know it, his car looked awfully a lot like the one she saw speeding away from her home. Michelle knew Michael and even admitted to flirting with him a little bit, but she said that was it. She swore that is where the friendship ended. On December 3rd, 2010, just two days after Nathan's shooting, Detective Mitchell and Detective Anderson went to Michelle's work to have a conversation with Michael Rodriguez. The detectives thought it would be best to catch him outside of his office, so they waited until his car drove towards the parking lot. After he arrived, they flipped on their police lights and they pulled him over. The detectives invited Rodriguez to join them at the police station for a conversation, and Rodriguez agreed. At the station, Rodriguez admitted quickly to his past convictions of forgery and theft, but he said he had turned his life around. He was engaged to be married and had a steady job that he enjoyed. But he said his life wasn't perfect, though. He admitted he was currently having an affair 
with a girl named Shannon. Oh my goodness. So he's engaged and already <laughs> having an affair. Yep, that's oh it. Uh-huh. I guess to each their own, right? right? Yeah, not the dreamboat I once looked for, but you know, whatever. The couple had met at Walmart and sparks had flown between them. But Mel, you gotta admit, Walmart is so romantic. I mean, how could you not fall in love in the aisles of Walmart? <laughs> the detectives wanted to know the details of his relationship with Michelle Payette. Was it really just co-workers or was there more to this relationship? Rodriguez admitted to being a little bit more than just friends. Michelle had cried about her marriage and they had flirted together. They were attracted to each other, yes, but he insisted the relationship wasn't sexual. The detectives persisted. So how about December 1st? What was Michael Rodriguez up to the night of Nathan's murder? Rodriguez accounted for his evening. So about 9 p.m., he said he had met Shannon, his current girlfriend, at the airport. The couple went to Sunset Station, a casino resort located in the suburb of Henderson. Yeah, so I don't know if I can stay there anymore. It's, <laughs> it's right across from the Galleria Mall. Have you been there, Mel? Um, I know where it is. I've never stayed there mm-hmm. before. Yeah, so... So the couple went to Sunset Station about 11 p.m. to spend the night together. Rodriguez had the video to prove it. He offered the cops a look at the video to solidify his alibi. So Rodriguez had actually made a video of him and Shannon at the Sunset Station, and he offered to let the cops look at it to solidify his alibi. Yeah, he had been drinking that evening, so he admitted his timeline may be a little off. But he did offer up Shannon's phone number to the detectives. Detective Mitchell and Detective Anderson called Shannon and she collaborated his story. They also checked with Sunset Station and confirmed via video the couple walking in and checking into their hotel room. The detectives also had a chance to look through Rodriguez's phone. They saw the video of the couple together in bed backing up his story. Yes, it was that kind of video. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they saw a phone call and some text that they felt deserved some follow-up questions. Rodriguez had talked to Michelle Payette on the phone before she went home early in the evening of December 1st. Remember, she had gone home early because she wasn't feeling well. Mm -hmm. A bit later into the evening, Michelle texted Rodriguez about a client named Van Dyke. Rodriguez claimed to not remember receiving the text. So at about 11, 12 p.m., this is about 15 minutes before Nathan was gunned down, Rodriguez texted Michelle the following. Quote, hope you are feeling better. Just about done with Van Dyke's contract for tomorrow. He's a pain. The detectives had a good question for Rodriguez. Why was he texting Michelle when he was supposedly having a romp in bed with Shannon? Rodriguez responded that he was trying to help Michelle get some money in because she was having a lot of money trouble. This guy's just all over the place. Man. Mm -hmm. So at 11.24, mere minutes before Nathan was shot, Michelle texted Rodriguez, quote, I can't go to sleep right now. I got woken up by a man screaming. I'm late. Six minutes later, Nathan was shot and killed in his own garage. Detective Laura Anderson then said to Rodriguez, what I find interesting, Michael, is that you haven't asked us one single time why you're here. She said, you may talk your way out of here tonight, but I'm coming after you. I know you killed Nathan and you can F with me all you want, but you know I'm right. You will see me again. Guarantee that. And she left. Obviously, I cleaned it up a little bit. Right. And with that, Rodriguez went home. Again, another hero. I'm sorry, but Detective Laura Anderson is awesome. Yes. So amazing to find all these 
heroes in law enforcement too. Mm -hmm. These two detectives, Detective Mitchell and Anderson, are both amazing. They are. So a press release was issued reading, Nellis Air Force Base, Nevada, the memorial service for Staff Sergeant Nathan Payette was held at the base chapel December 7th. Sergeant Payette, 28, an F-15 supply section technician assigned to the 757th Aircraft Maintenance Squadron, died from wounds, suffered during a shooting at his off-base residence December 1st. At this memorial service, Eric Payette, Nathan's big brother, spoke about his brother and his short life. The Payette family felt so much support and love from Nathan's co-workers and fellow soldiers. There was someone noticeably missing from this service, though. It was Michelle Payette. The morning of Nathan's memorial, detectives called Michelle and asked her to come into the police station for another interview. Michelle didn't think she could do it. She said she was too saddled with grief and despair, but Carmelita, Nathan's mom, insisted that she go and help the police. Yeah, she made sure that Michelle made it to the appointment. She practically had to push her out the door. Sounds like mama knows something's up. Yeah, sounds like she's questioning it Mm -hmm. at least. Yeah. Michelle told her first story the night of Nathan's murder. Do you remember in the car? Yep. So now here is Michelle's second story that she told. You may notice a few changes. Michelle Pye admitted that she did have a relationship with Michael Rodriguez. And that's not a little change. That's a big change to your story. Agreed, but not a surprise, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She said that Rodriguez gave her a lot of attention and love that she so desperately needed in her life. He told her she was beautiful and a special person. It didn't take long for the relationship to become physical. Michelle was having an affair with Rodriguez. Two months before the killing of Nathan, Rodriguez and Payette, that's Michelle, were sitting and talking in his car and drinking alcohol together. Payette complained about what a terrible husband Nathan was to her. His paycheck wasn't near enough and she was not happy. Okay, Michelle is not making herself look good at all in this interview. No, definitely not. It's such a huge change in your story and Mm -hmm. definitely looking suspicious. Yeah, I agree. So Payette said that Rodriguez mentioned Nathan must have military life insurance. Payette told him that Nathan was worth $650,000 dead, $400,000 from the military, and $250,000 from a private life insurance policy. Payette said that she told Rodriguez to not talk about the policies, but he continued to during the following weeks. He just wouldn't let up on it. Rodriguez said he would handle everything and Payette would not have to do anything except unlock Nathan's vehicle in the driveway the night of his murder. The plan was to have Rodriguez and a second person wait inside Nathan's car. They would kill Nathan in his car when he got in to go to work. Payette said that she went along with the plan, but purposely did not unlock the car as a way to stop the plan. The evening of December 1st, Michelle, who was home early from work due to the excuse of not feeling well, cuddled with her husband on the couch and dozed off. While Nathan slept, Payette got on her husband's phone and turned off his alarm. Well, I mean, she said she was trying to make it not happen, but she's clearly participating. Yeah. I mean, well, with that little act, she's fully involved now, but she's still allowing it to happen. Right. She said she did this to supposedly stop him from going outside and getting shot by the men in wait. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Yeah, me neither. It sounds like she really just wanted him to be in a hurry and be flustered as he was rushing out the door is more what it sounds like. I completely agree. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So Pyatt then recounted receiving the text from Rodriguez. Remember the text about Van Dyke? Yeah, well, like Van, Van Dyke was code for killing Nathan, I think. Mm-hmm. Rodriguez to Payette at 11.12 p.m. Just about done with Van Dyke's contract. Rodriguez to Payette at 11.14 p.m. If you don't fill up to it, let me know and you can take a few days to rest up. I appreciate your help. At 11.15 p.m., Payette woke up to her sleeping husband by her side. She told Nathan he was late to work. Payette said she had hoped the men waiting for Nathan outside with a gun would just leave. Payette to Rodriguez at 11.19. My husband just woke me up and he's trying to rush out the door. I guess he's late. LOL. Sorry, that contract is a pain. Payette said she sent the text with the apology, meaning that they had come out to her house and the murder wasn't going to happen. She t- I'm so sorry, which doesn't make any sense. No. Right? She told Detective Mitchell and Detective Anderson that she didn't want it to happen. But we know it did. Yeah, if she had wanted to stop it, she could have simply said, like, stop, I changed my mind, Mm -hmm. or talk to the police, something. Yeah, or she could have just not let her husband go out to work. Right. Like, you know. Warned him. Warned him something. Yeah. Yeah. Rodriguez to Payette at 11.21 p.m. I got it covered. Just get some rest. Payette to Rodriguez at 11.24 p.m. Can't go back to sleep right now. Got woken up with a man screaming, I'm late. He's rushing to get out the door. That's it right there. She just sealed his fate. She seriously did. That's the nail in the coffin. I know. At 11.30 p.m., gunshots rang out in the quiet neighborhood. Michelle Payette called 911 at 11.31 p.m. So now we're going to take a second break and hear a word from our sponsors. Thank you, Balance of Nature, for sponsoring Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. Melanie, I love my Balance of Nature. I take it every single day. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies contain 31 flash-dried fruits and vegetables. 31. They are specifically selected for their combined effectiveness in strengthening the immune system, cell protection, and DNA repair. The fruit capsules contain 16 different fruits, including aloe vera, apple, banana, blueberry, cherry, cranberry, Grape, grapefruit, lemon, mango, orange, papaya, pineapple, raspberry, strawberry, and tomato. Wow, Melanie, do you need a drink of water after that? That was a long list. Bounce Nature packs so much into their caplets. The veggies include a blend of 15 different pure whole vegetables. In the capsules, you'll find broccoli, cabbage, carrot, cauliflower, cayenne pepper, celery stalk, garlic, kale, onion, shiitake mushrooms, soybean, spinach, wheatgrass, yam, and zucchini. So go and order today so you can start taking your Balance of Nature vitamins. Go to balanceofnature.com and use code REDHANDED. Or you can use the link in our show notes. That's balanceofnature.com, code REDHANDED. Take your vegetables. Thank you again to our sponsors. Let's get back to our show. So Michelle had just told the detectives the story of what really happened. Well, we're hoping it's pretty dang close to the truth um, to what actually happened to her husband, Nathan Payette. Yeah. So prepare yourself, listeners. We really want you to tell us what you think about these following statements. Yeah. We'd love to hear what you think about this. Payette told police that she never wanted her husband murdered, but she was someone who, quote, was easily convinced. 
I don't feel bad for her. No, I don't. Mm -mm. Payette told police that Rodriguez took advantage of her good nature. She would do anything to help the police put him behind bars for what he had done to her family. Yeah, it's all his fault. A hundred percent, right? So yeah, listeners, hop on social media. Let us know what you think about this. Yeah, so our our Instagram is at Rocky Mountain Red Handed, and you can find us on Facebook. Twitter is at RMRH Podcast. Uh, so Detective Mitchell and Detective Anderson wanted to be sure everything was fully prepared for the Payette's prosecution. So they made the incredibly difficult decision to allow her to walk mm. out the doors of the police station. I'm sure it was so difficult for I'm, them. I'm sure. Just an hour later, Payette was back at the police station. Yeah, on the way out of the building, she told an, an official of some sort that she wanted to hurt herself. She said she wanted to throw herself in front of the busy traffic on the streets. Payette was taken to a local hospital and placed on a 72-hour psych hold. While Payette was held for her safety, the detectives doggedly followed up on the case. Yeah, this 72-hour cycle probably worked in their benefit, don't you think? Definitely. She's at least off the streets. They could look into it. Exactly, yeah. So, But they knew the clock was definitely ticking away. They needed to wrap up this case before Payette and Rodriguez could slip away. At the same time as Michelle Payette was sitting in the mental health facility, Shannon, remember that's Michael Rodriguez's supposed girlfriend? Well, she watched the local news and heard the report about Nathan Payette's murder. The next morning, she voluntarily walked into the police station and asked to speak to Detective Mitchell and Detective Anderson. Shannon told the detectives that she didn't know anything about the murder of Nathan Payette and she had no idea of her role in the plan. I think it's amazing that she did just come in voluntarily and willing to speak to the detectives. I agree. I think Shannon's kind of the unsung hero in this in this situation. You know, from what I read, she had lived a kind of a hard life. She had addiction issues. Um, she made her money on the streets with men. Yeah. And yet she she knew this this was a line that I was not going to cross. I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. Good for you, Shannon. Yeah, I agree. On December 1st, the night of Nathan's murder, Shannon went to her friend Jessica's apartment. Yeah, Jessica told her that if any cops asked to tell them that she and Michael Rodriguez were together that evening. Jessica told Shannon that her boyfriend, Corey, and Rodriguez were planning on robbing a drug dealer that evening, so Shannon agreed to help with the alibi. Yeah, Shannon admitted to the detectives that she had struggled with substance abuse for years and that she was actually high on the night of December 1st, so her memory is was going to be a little fuzzy. The two men later rushed into the apartment after their apparent robbing of the drug dealer, and they stripped off their clothes. Jessica made a fire in the fireplace and threw all the clothes into the fire. While Rodriguez watched his clothes burn, authorities stated that he received a text from Michelle Payette. Yeah, this is the worst, Mel. It was one emoji, and it was the smiley face emoji. Oh my gosh, that just makes me so nauseous just hearing that. So sad. Yeah, he's, he's the father of her children. Makes me, like, want to throw up. Definitely. Rodriguez told Shannon to get into his car, and the two left Jessica and Corey that evening. Rodriguez told Shannon that she was his alibi and to tell anyone that asked that they were boyfriend and girlfriend. He said to tell anyone that asked that they were together the entire evening. The two drove to Sunset Station and arrived at 12.02 a.m. The surveillance footage shows them holding hands and cuddling in the line for check-in. They arrived and unlocked their hotel room at 12.10 a.m. 
Shannon told police that they were intimate that night and that Rodriguez left the hotel room when it was still dark outside. She wasn't sure exactly what time that was. Yeah. In the morning at about 7 a.m., Jessica and Corey came to the hotel room and they all checked out together. The next day, Shannon received the phone call from the detectives. So now she was sitting in front of the same detectives and sharing the entire story. Yeah, exactly. Shannon later went to Jessica and demanded to know more about the crime and the two men, you know, that had committed the crime. Yeah. Rodriguez heard that Shannon was asking questions and wanted to silence her. He admitted to murdering a co-worker's husband, who he said was a wife beater. Which is absolutely unequivocally not true. Yeah, for sure. We know that Nathan was never violent to his family. Rodriguez said that he was going to receive $150,000 for the killing. He destroyed Shannon's cell phone and told her to keep her mouth shut. Well, as we know, Shannon luckily did not listen to Rodriguez. Yay, Thank goodness. Shannon. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, she realized that she was unintentionally had played a part in this murder of an innocent man. Yeah, and she did the right thing. She shared everything she knew about that night. On the evening of Tuesday, December 7th, Michael Rodriguez, Jessica Austin, and Corey Hawkins were arrested. That same evening, Michelle was released from the mental health facility and arrested right away. In the official arrest warrant, it states, quote, On the night of the murder, she, Payette, was aware Rodriguez and possibly another suspect were waiting for Nathan to open the garage door and come out to his vehicle. Nathan was late coming out of the house and Rodriguez began texting Michelle at 2312 hours in coded language. She stated her two texts to Rodriguez were coded as well to let him know that her husband would be late leaving the house. Payette stated that there were several different plans discussed between her and Rodriguez as to the details of how Nathan would be killed. One of the plans included to use a large car cover. Nathan Payette was supposed to be shot inside his Chevy Tahoe and the vehicle taken to an apartment complex by Rodriguez, where it would be abandoned and covered with the car cover to conceal the presence of a body. Michelle Payette later told police that she and Rodriguez were going to just act like friends, but then they were going to be together and get married. Isn't that romantic? Um, I can't believe that she really thought they would just ride off into the sunset together. He was engaged. He had a girlfriend and her. <laughs> it sounds incredibly naive that she actually believed that they would be happy forever. Yeah. Don't you think? She insisted that she never wanted the murder plan to go through. Nathan Payette's body was returned home to Guam after his memorial service at Nellis. It arrived on Thursday, December 9th. Nathan was given full military honors at the Veteran Cemetery in PT. Nathan's funeral had a full motorcade escorted by 36 motorcycles with hundreds of friends and locals lining the streets. Six pallbearers carefully led the American flag-draped casket holding Nathan to his final resting place. Nathan received a 21-gun salute, followed by the playing of taps.
Five years later, in 2015, Michael Rodriguez went to trial. Shannon was the key witness. Rodriguez's defense stated that Corey Hawkins had done the shooting and he had just witnessed the murder. The jury did not believe him. He was found guilty of first-degree murder with the use of a deadly weapon and conspiracy. Michael Rodriguez was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Corey Hawkins pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and conspiracy. Jessica Austin cooperated with law enforcement after her arrest. She took a deal and pleaded guilty to conspiracy. She was given probation. Michelle Payette initially pleaded not guilty, but at the very last minute changed her plea to guilty of first-degree murder and conspiracy. The Payette family asked the judge to not consider the death penalty. Not because they didn't believe the case against her, but because they wanted her to suffer in jail. They said they wanted her to live knowing her children were being loved and raised in Guam to live each day and know that her children know what she did to their father. She was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. At her sentencing, Payette said between genuine sobs and tears, quote, I made a huge mistake, a really bad choice. I am really sorry. Chief Deputy District Attorney Michelle Fleck called Payette a poisonous apple who used, quote, tears, sex, and money to lure Rodriguez while at home she played the role of a mother and wife. She sits before you as she has before other men, crying and kind of the perfect picture of femininity and vulnerability looking like a victim. Fleck told the judge, what you see is not what you get. Nathan's parents have full custody of his children, and they are raising them the same way Nathan was raised, in the sunshine and the sandy beaches of Guam. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm glad that the kids have loving grandparents mm-hmm. that are willing to take them and raise them and be able to give them a good life. Yeah, give and them we, love. we know how close those families are. And so I'm glad that they are able to, you know, get away from Las Vegas, start a new life, surrounded by family that loves them. Yeah, I can't, I just don't understand people who can do that to their own husband. Like, they were laying on the couch cuddling Mm -hmm. minutes before she had him killed. Yeah, and you, you brought up a good point as we were talking about this story. From the very beginning, it's interesting that Michelle immediately said that the car looked like Michael Rodriguez's, which is dumb if she was trying to hide it like I, so dumb i don't understand why she pointed it out i have no clue why she brought him in yeah i mean and who knows you know how long it would have taken police to to uncover that relationship i don't know right i mean it probably would have all been solved but it is very odd that she decided to bring him in so early in the investigation yeah i thought that was a really good point that yeah. you made mm-hmm. so we are just really glad the kids are doing well in guam mm-hmm. so now we are going to move on and do our rocky mountain redemption yeah. so a little good news yes don't worry nevada here is a story from the good news network to make you feel all warm and fuzzy about your community that's right nevada is is really full of great people who take care of each other. We love you, Nevada. Yes, we do. So Julie Flommer, a travel agent, received a phone call from Jack Henderson, a 90-year-old veteran and former pilot. He was calling to get some rates for a trip he wanted to take with his two best friends, David Crawford, who is 93 years old, and Dick Snyder, who is 90 years old. The men, all in their 90s, Mel, I don't know if you caught that. Yes. Yeah. They all had served in the armed forces, and they wanted to go to the Reno Air Races in Nevada. 
Julie researched the tickets and had to tell Jack the tickets would not be available till much later in the year. With declining health, they didn't know if the three friends would actually be able to make the trip later in the year. So Julie wanted to come up with another adventure for the three veteran pilots. A biplane adventure. Mel, what's a biplane? They are the open airplanes that you see in old movies or like what you would picture World War II pilots flying. They have a propeller, two wings, and open air seats. Yeah, I had to look it up when I was writing the script and... When I saw a picture, I actually thought of Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. Yes. You know, that scene when they take the plane ride and Sean Connery is sitting in the back with the guns. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a biplane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Aero Legends Biplane Riders offers biplane experiences in the town where the three pals live. Uh, She could give them a day up in the skies for free, of course. Yeah. Julie posted her idea on a Facebook page and donations poured in from all over. She had more than enough for the three friends to have an experience they would never forget. When the former pilots were given their gift certificates for the biplane excursion this March, uh, quote, most of us had to go change our britches, Jack <laughs> joked. It was such an unexpected, pleasant surprise. That's so cute. Isn't that cute? Julie learned that Dick had actually planned on flying with the same company before to spread his late wife's ashes but hadn't had a chance to yet because of medical reasons now he has the chance so cool julie said quote the biggest thing for me is being able to bring happiness to people being able to do something they didn't think they could she said and that's such a beautiful sentiment yeah so what a nice story happy armed forces to 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 all of our listeners thank you to you all who who serve so diligently yes thank you so Mm -hmm. much for your service we really love you and appreciate everything all the sacrifice for sure so we will be back next week watch for our episodes every wednesday yeah don't forget to share this episode or any of our other episodes on your social media for sure we want you want to remember what an incredible young man Staff Sergeant Nathan Payette was in this world. Yes, for sure. We send out prayers to the Payette family. So until next time. Wait, Mel, do you think our audience knows what comes next? I mean, we say it every episode. Until next time. Our longtime listeners know for sure what comes next, but our new listeners, maybe not. Everyone should claim their sticker so they can remember how we close every episode. Absolutely. So... Yes, whether or not you know what's coming next, make sure you to hop on social media, grab yourself a sticker with our catchphrase. So until next time, keep keep your hands hands clean. clean.